spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 141st Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. We are in the thralls of a frozen hellhole. I think it was Tuesday. The real feel was negative 33. I don't know the last time I've seen it that low. It was quite chilly. Yes, I actually, well, last Saturday I was watching the uh, the Packers get defeated at home and we were watching the game. It started snowing, I think, in maybe the fourth quarter, but they were constantly showing the temperature on the field and it was the real feel was down to zero and I believe it was like nine degrees. It did not look fun. Everyone in that crowd looked fucking frozen. Of course, they were all Wisconsinites, so they were pretty used to it, but <laughs> yeah, as a pretty diehard Vikings fan. You know, we were all celebrating the loss of uh, the game for the Green Bay Packers. Congratulations to the 49ers. You did it. You proved the world wrong. We got a we got a pretty good slate of ga- good games, I think, coming up this week. So hopefully they'll be as entertaining as last week. Phil, I wanted to ask you something. So I saw on Reddit, this was on the front page, and it was Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, whom my understanding about him is he is a not quite as crazy as Alex Jones, but he's definitely a right wing talking head, like a severe right wing talking head. And uh, him and Joe Rogan were talking and apparently they I don't know if Joe Rogan has he just went off the deep end. Well, so Jordan Peterson's not quite a uh like a super conservative he's more kind of like common sense he's he's the one who kind of says like you know make your bed and kind of do you know that stuff so it's it's not really that he's like alex jones it's just he's painted like alex jones by a lot of like liberals because they don't like the things that he says sometimes so okay so you know more about him than i do the only i've only read quotes from him he kind of does that. This is what I know is maybe you can agree or disagree. He says a lot of open-ended comments, if that makes sense. Like he says yeah. things, it's kind of what Brett Favre did. He like says things that, I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it. Like, do you remember Brett Favre press conferences? Yeah. Like he, like you'd be like, okay, Brett, you want to tell us about the game? And then he would just keep talking and talking. It's irrelevant to the game, but he just keeps talking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of a style of just, you know, put so much, put so many sound bites out there that you didn't really answer the question, but you gave everyone enough meat to kind of satiate them without <laughs> having to answer any question, you know. But 
But the whole point is, is I'm starting to, we talked about Joe Rogan going a little crazy not that long ago. It seems like he's kind of leading into that particular market and just capitalizing off of, I don't want do you know what I'm saying? Like Trump kind of did this thing. So I think really, I haven't really watched him, I got to say, in about a year and a half. Uh, I kind of, I quit listening. It Every episode kind of became the same episode. But from what I've seen, really like depending on what type of, you know, news articles in quotations, articles your, you know, algorithm shoots you, um, you're kind of more forced to think of him in one way or another. But I think what he's kind of doing, like it seems to me, what he's doing is basically allowing them to, oh, if you're going to paint me like this, then I'm just going to like lean into it. You know, all of like the the woke people that he, you know, claims to like stand against. I think he's really trying to lean into it just to like make them look like idiots. That might be what he's trying to do. That's just kind of like my perception of the whole thing. Okay, I mean, that's entirely possible. That was the other good thing. After the Packers lost, Aaron Rodgers brings up Joe Rogan in in some of his stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of (laughs) comments like, Aaron, I wonder if you're going to go ask Joe Rogan how you don't choke in the playoffs next year and and things like that. So it was uh, kind of funny. I'm ready for the episode. Are you? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. While navigating this cruel and sometimes hostile world, its inhabitants can oftentimes find themselves in a lonely and somewhat rudderless state, wishing for a guide to lead them on their dark path, perhaps even a clairvoyance, offering answers to the queries that so disturbed and disrupted their lives and shook them from personal success and ultimate happiness. For some of them, hope would finally present itself in the form of an infomercial featuring a kindly Jamaican woman speaking rapidly into the camera while sitting in front of a spread of tarot cards. Of course, I'm speaking of the famed telephone psychic Miss Cleo and the now infamous organization that she was the spokeswoman for, the Psychic Readers Network. So two two things here. Number one, I'm pretty sure this is who Ben Shapiro based his character off of. He stares at a camera and talks real fast. Uh, Unblinkingly, yeah. <laughs> Number two, I'm not even kidding you, Phil. I was talking about Miss Cleo two days ago because somebody I know, they love tarot. There's a lot of people who love tarot. You know, it's fun, whatever. But I asked if she considered Miss Cleo as like the queen of tarot or like the Jesus (laughs) person of tarot because I'm assuming a lot of people probably started when they saw her, even though, as I have a feeling we're about to find out, I don't think she was real serious about any of it. No, not really. She yeah. was serious about the money that she was receiving. Yeah. But that's about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, she yeah. did lean into the character, obviously. But. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more about her. Yes. For those of us who remember the many late night infomercials for the Psychic Readers Network, the signature voice of the woman who portrayed the psychic reader immediately comes to mind when discussing the pop culture icon. With her thick Jamaican accent and her inviting welcome at the end of each infomercial, advising the watchers to call me now. However, what many people were not aware of was that Miss Cleo was actually just a character played by the actress. 
with that signature accent being just as exaggerated as any kind of psychic ability she claimed to have. I mean, yeah. I wonder how many people called and like, damn, I want to talk to Miss Cleo. And you're probably, I'm going to assume, not actually going to reach Miss Cleo. Yeah, we're going to talk about that quite a bit. But that was kind of a problem that got them into trouble later on. We're going to we're going to talk about it quite a bit. But yes, it, oh, many, many of the people who called in wanted to expressly speak to Miss Cleo. So. All right. Is there something more inherently psychic about Jamaicans? Well, this is a good I mean, question. there's very mystical things. I mean, obviously, we've talked about, you know, well, on Bumblebutt, you guys talked about. Santeria, uh, Palo Mayombe. Yes. There's all of that stuff. There's like the voodoo, you know, there's all of the, just everything that goes along. The weird mixture of Christian and African religions that kind of formed all of those three religions we just talked about. So when you hear that, it sounds more authentic than if you had actually heard her real voice saying all of these so things. So is Bob Marley a witch? I mean, I don't know. He had a great <laughs> voice and a great, you know, great musical acumen. Maybe that was part of his witchcraft. Keeping uh, keeping 14-year-olds stoned long after his death. Yeah, uh, very long after. Now, actually, Miss Cleo was born in Los Angeles, California on August 12th, 1962, with the birth name Yuri Del Harris. She did not actually spend her formative years on the Caribbean island of Jamaica, learning the art of prophecy and honing her psychic ability. In actuality, she attended an all-girls boarding school in America, claiming later that she had actually studied theater arts at the University of Southern California, though USC hadn't had any records of her ever attending. That's not a good look there if you're telling everybody that. I mean, I would assume she was in theater arts of some kind for her acting skills. Well, yes. Yeah, she got into theater before she moved to Florida and started working for the Psychic Rooters Network. Uh, We're going to get that into a little bit, but yeah, she was heavily involved in theater. Are you sure there isn't a Los Angeles, Jamaica? I do not know if there's any Jamaican (laughs) communities in Los Angeles, but I do not believe that anyone born in Los Angeles forms a Jamaican accent. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, Los Angeles is a city in Jamaica. Oh, No, I don't believe so. Yeah, no. In the mid-1990s, Yuri Harris would become an actor and screenwriter, having moved herself to Seattle to open a production company with her girlfriend at the time and write and produce plays, three in total, including one that was named Four Women Only in 1996. She would write under the pseudonym Ree Paris. In this play, she actually played a Jamaican woman named Cleo. Ah, okay. That is very interesting. So this is actually what everyone thinks, like, where she got the character for Miss Cleo was from this play that she had written for women only. Well, I'll tell you what. Fans of the Bumblebutt podcast, when I'm still on it, will know that maybe under using her idea here, I should start a phone scam line and I will use the pseudonym... George's Faust. George's Faust. Yeah. If he's <laughs> you can only do it around Christmas time. Yeah. 
<laughs> you have to start driving around a Toyota too. <laughs> yeah. After writing and performing in the three plays at the Langston Hughes Cultural Arts Center in Seattle, Washington, Harris left town suddenly after her last play, Supper Club Cafe, did very poorly. She had told many in her cast and crew that she had actually had bone cancer. Uh, this was in a letter to her co-workers in which she wrote that she wouldn't be able to pay them the money that she owed until a later date. Though many would claim that they had never actually been paid at all. Later on, Harris would claim that she had left Seattle due to escaping a bad relationship. Uh, traveling now for Florida. So she did not actually have bone cancer. Most likely, no. Okay. Probably no bone cancer. Ironically, I uh, I was reading through Reddit today. They had uh, Ask Reddit. It's kind of a fun, fun subreddit to read through. And one of the questions was, uh, what's the worst thing a pathological liar has ever told you? Um, okay. And uh, they had some very interesting answers. You know, the uh, the sympathy card for lying about ailments that you're suffering from, it's kind of a big one. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is, it's a real shitty thing to do. Often, yeah. like, we listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. A lot of the pathological liars there, they're telling you these sob stories. It's often a sign of mental illness. Oh, absolutely. Is, you know, this, just lying, these outrageous lies. Almost so outrageous that you start to kind of believe them. <laughs> I know, right? Obviously, she did this so she didn't have to pay those people. Yeah, she escaped, basically. When living in Seattle, Harris had been hired by the Langston Hughes Nonprofit Advisory Council and given a budget to hire and pay a crew and cast, though after failing to pay her staff and after the failing of her last play, she apparently fled Seattle having also inappropriately charged supplies and services to the council's budget. There actually wouldn't be any police charges following her to Florida. This was because it was a very small amount of money, totaling just really a few thousand dollars, and the council deemed it to be not worth the trouble. I mean, yeah, that's kind of understandable. A few thousand, yeah. and you'd probably be paying more. Just in to, lawyer fees. Yeah, just to get something done. And private done. investigators, so. Right, so. I, I get why they did that. Yeah, definitely juice not worth the squeeze situation, so. It's kind of lucky for her that she kind of got off scot-free, but then kind of what happened to her later on, it's a little bit justified, so. <laughs> While in Florida, Yuri Harris would respond to an advertisement calling for phone actors, which turned out to actually be for phone operators to act as psychic readers. Now, Harris would use her Jamaican character, Cleo, from the previous play, Four Women Only, to sell her story as a Caribbean mystic on the phone lines to customers. This would be until she was actually noticed by the owners of the company and hired on to record a commercial for the Psychic Readers Network. This was in character as Cleo, in which she would actually be paid the sum of $1,750 for that first commercial. All right. Not, I mean, not a bad take. If you're looking for promotion, Phil, have you ever thought about coming into work and starting to act Jamaican uh, for your boss and see if you can get promoted within the company? It might be a little bit too late for that. I might have been able to sell it on the first day, but I think they've... Uh, 
they've been hearing my my midwestern accent for a little too long so damn it all right well next yeah. time uh, anybody out there has a big job interview for whatever reason make sure you do it in a jamaican accent yeah i could actually kind of you know maybe come to work one day using my wisconsin accent maybe my uh you know my minnesota Harris would play a pivotal role in the building of the popularity and success of the organization that she had now worked for. She was now going by the name Miss Cleo. This was how the company would actually rebrand her, taking the name Cleo from her former play, claiming that she had actually studied under Haitian teachers in the arts of voodoo, and that she came from, in her own words, a family of so-called spooky people. Ooh, okay. That, uh, that's kind of fun. I'm not going to lie, Phil. If you could yeah. say, my family is a bunch of spooky people. I mean, instantly you think of the Adams family or something, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. The Munsters from a family <laughs> of spooky people. <laughs> Maybe Dick Cheney's family. I don't know. Um, they're more oh, like m- murderous people. But uh, that's besides the point. Yeah, a family full of necromancers, (laughs) keeping the old man alive. Besides the extra money that she would be given for her commercial appearances, according to Miss Cleo, she would still only be paid what the going rate for other phone actors would receive. That was 15 to 24 cents a minute, though she claimed that she was on the higher end of that scale. So she would have been the 24 cents a minute. Yes, yep, she would have been at the high end. So you got to really keep them on the line then. Oh, definitely. Um, we're going to get into that quite a bit. Okay. But that is one of the most important things a phone operator has to do is keep them on the line. Keep them racking up those minutes. All right. Definitely. The Psychic Readers Network, taking over the mantle as the most famous or perhaps most infamous psychic hotline after the much-loved Psychic Friends Network filed bankruptcy in 1998, had actually hired Harris and many others by putting out ads for positions working as subcontractors for smaller sister companies. Now, putting out the call for so-called phone actors, their most important job, like I just mentioned, keeping the caller on the phone. These phone actors actually worked from home on their own computers and monitors. Uh, On their monitors, they were actually given a program in some cases. Uh, It was this tarot reading card program that would spread out cards and kind of deal them out just as if you had them in front of you. Also, a script was given to them to help these teleseers with the customers. Though some of the actors would claim that they found more success kind of going off the script and ad-libbing just kind of you know blurting some things out okay so do you have any idea what was on the script exactly not really i never i was looking around on a lot of the stories from some of these people they never really offered any any copies of the script i don't know if anyone still even has these scripts did you ever work as a telemarketer yeah decora yeah it's kind of like the rebuttals thing and just kind of just kind of a way to keep them on the line, keep them talking. Any kind of like question they might have, you get rebuttals and stuff like that. From what I was reading, that's kind of what it was. Just something to kind of keep the ball in the air. Terror, the tarot card program is kind of neat considering the technology at the time. Huh? Pretty advanced. Yeah. I mean, well, you got to think this is the late, late 90s to the early 2000s. So... 
I mean, they had computers back then. I mean, we were using, what, fucking iMacs in school at that time? Yeah, but think of... Yeah, I get... But I'm just thinking about, like, even the games available uh, weren't that intense back then. Yeah, but if you really think about it, it might as well be solitaire. Because it's just dealing out cards. True, true. After seeing Harris on the late night infomercials, callers would phone into the psychic readers network, thinking that they were actually going to speak to Miss Cleo herself. Though, they would normally find out that they were never going to speak with Miss Cleo, and that their experience would be much, much different. Yeah, I I mean, infomercials late at night are specifically designed to go after people who's kind of suffer with insomnia or things like that because their decision-making is a bit inhibited, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, so we're going to talk about it a little bit more later, but it really goes after the late-night stuff, kind of goes after people with insomnia, like you mentioned, depression, people who are lonely, people who just want to hear something so they have the TV on. Um, So of the people who... I read about who were actual teleseers for the company or phone actors. They were talking a lot about just kind of people who wanted someone to talk to lonely yeah. people. So yeah, I it, totally understandable. It's just too bad. They're so predatory. Oh, definitely. And you'll find out just how predatory they could be. It's, it's pretty fucking disgusting though. So, a lot of it has to deal with elderly people Yeah, and yeah, yeah just very predatory. Ugh. So, After calling the free 1-800 number, callers would be met by telemarketers, urging them to call into the 1-900 number, where they would be forwarded to a psychic, who would be able to help them with their questions and queries. With the promise of the first few minutes actually being free, though those first free minutes would of course be spent on hold. Jesus, uh, that's pretty douchey. Definitely, yeah. Jesus, is fucking Walmart run this thing? Christ. Um, (laughs) Amazon. Early Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) After calling into the number, customers would be forwarded to the waiting teleseers, who were trained to speak as slowly as possible, and keep the caller on the line for as long as possible, as the phone call that they were on was costing them $4.95 a minute. The phone actor was expected to keep the caller on the line for an average of 15 minutes, though I did find different numbers for how long they were supposed to keep them on the line. Uh, At the longest, I found 24 minutes. 15 minutes was the smallest number I found. With the average cost of the call being reported by the FTC, $60. Yikes, holy shit. And if you're doing... If you're lucky enough to get four of these an hour, like, and I don't know how many actors are calling at the same time, but God damn. I mean, if you're lucky enough to get someone on the line. So one of the people I'm going to be talking about who is a phone actor for this company was saying that if you were calling in, like working the night shift, basically having the network send you callers at night, it would be one after another. Though, really, you were getting such little money, you might be like lucky to get minimum wage if you had someone on the line for 20 minutes and you had four of those people. Yeah. So, really, it was minimum wage for you no matter what. Yeah, and the uh, the company's definitely making quite a, 
healthy chunk of money there. Oh, bank. Yeah, especially if you're on the lower end. So that four ninety five a minute, you're only getting what fifteen cents, fourteen cents maybe. That's such a small percentage. It's it's predatory to the fucking workers also. Right. You know, it's horrible. Right. For years, customers would call in, expecting to speak to Miss Cleo herself, like I mentioned before, with some of them actually having been called themselves by telemarketers, urging them to call into the as Miss Cleo had messaged them, telling that she had urgent information about their present situation or their possible future. Some of these calls would even border sometimes on harassment, occurring to some a reported 10 times a day. So this company would call a potential client or whatever 10 yes. times a day, urging them to call Miss Cleo. Yes, exactly. Yikes. And I'll, really, it's almost... Right now, we have a lot of these scams. Um, the most famous one is your car warranty. Or in Arizona, it's solar panels right now. A lot of you know spam companies call you about solar panels trying to get your personal information. I mean, back in the day, it wasn't really happening that much where telescammers were calling that much. So people were used to just getting like the regular telemarketers. You know which one I get uh, almost every day is saying that... Through my AT&T phone plan, I have some sort, I have earned some reward with DirecTV. Um, don't have an AT&T phone plan. That's yeah. <laughs> kind of, and I'm just like, are you guys ever going to give up? Yeah, basically. The worst one that I was getting was coming from the IRS. A not very friendly Pakistani fellow was claiming to be from the IRS and threatening me that I was going to go to jail, saying that he was going to call the sheriff on me if I don't, you know, give him my credit card number or debit card number or whatnot so that I could pay my, it was like $300 or something like that. And it was just insane. It's, you know, I, it's hard to believe that anyone could fall for that, but I, if it's happening, people must be falling for it. Yeah, well, again, though I think those types prey on the uh, the older generation as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. And the phone number that I used to have was actually one that when my old phone was destroyed in the pool, I got a brand new phone number. And a lot of the telemarketer calls that I would get was for hearing aids and for kind of like AARP insurance type deals. So I'm guessing she was an older person. Mm. And it was like a lot of the medical calls that I get were really bad uh, trying to basically. Yeah, it was it was never ending. Basically, four to five times a day while I was at work, my phone would ring. God damn. Yeah. Though the infomercials came with a disclaimer that any calls made were for entertainment purposes only, many of the callers had thought that they would be actually speaking to a real psychic, whom had actual information on their own future or situation, with some of these people obviously in desperate situations. Though, one thing that most of the customers shared was that they could not really afford the calls that they were making, and that they didn't have a clue really how much these late-night phone calls would actually cost. Yeah, because if I remember right, they didn't exactly plaster the number or plaster the amount of how each minute was, or like what each minute was going to cost you. 
Yes, that's part of um, – so the Federal Trade Commission is going to bring suit against them. I'll end it with that. But one of the things was that they were being very deceptive about how much everything costed because a lot of times they wouldn't give a price. They would just keep saying free, 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 when really it was maybe the first couple of minutes free or the 1-800 number was free before they called the 1-900. So – Really, they never once mentioned how much these phone calls like, costed. It was just, oh, yeah, everything's free. Everything's free. So mm. now getting into a little bit about how these phone calls worked. According to an FBI investigation, callers would be first asked to give their names, phone numbers, address, and email accounts. Also, an attempt to wrangle the caller into a monthly subscription of $9.95 a month would immediately follow. Most of the time, obviously, the caller refused. This is when the telephone operator would offer a free set of tarot cards, uh, a free 15 minutes of readings, also a personalized astrology chart. Now, this back and forth typically took about 10 to 15 minutes. That is if the caller stayed on the line. Also, it included any time that they had spent on hold. All the while, they were being charged for this phone call. Uh, this is before any reading actually occurred. So they were charging them the whole time they were trying to sell them this shit. Yeah, the entire time that they were trying to sell them the monthly subscription and trying to give them all of these little like packages of free tarot cards, 15 free minutes of readings, the astrology chart, and being on hold, being charged for all of it because they had called in the 1-900 number. Even while their information was being sussed out of them, they were being charged for that. So with the $10 monthly subscription, was that... Is that what was included in the $10 monthly subscription, the tarot cards, the 15-minute free reading, and the astrology chart? I think that that was kind of the like the bait to get someone to sign up for it. I don't exactly know what the $9.95 actually got you. Okay. So it was I, just... The only thing that I saw was the $9.95 monthly subscription. I guess if the $10 for an hour's worth of calls every month or something. That wouldn't be that bad, but I highly doubt that's what it is. Oh, definitely. Definitely not. I'm guessing that the <laughs> the monthly subscription came with a lot of caveats. Yeah. Because yeah. if, if a phone call was four ninety five a minute, then that nine ninety five is just about two minutes. So definitely they're not going to give you an hour for free. There's no way that no. they could do that. Hmm. Interesting. Though I don't actually know, though I don't actually know what it consisted of. Probably some scam horseshit. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And obviously, as we know now with subscription services, you always forget about them and then end up having them for about six months after. So that's how they get you. Yep. Now, after the caller had hung up the phone, they would find out that all of the information that had been collected was now being used to inundate them with spam calls, spam mails, and paper mailers, telling them things like, Miss Cleo had had a dream about you, and you need to call now to get this important information, or other vague promises. Uh, when the customers actually asked the telemarketers for the calls and messages to stop, apparently the telemarketers would become abusive and even belligerent. I'm guessing this is long before the some of the laws have been put in place where you can force them to put you on a no-call list and things like that. 
I'm not exactly sure about that law, but the FT, the Federal Trade Commission was going after them for their, you know, the abusive nature of the telemarketers also. I'm, I'm pretty certain now, as long as it's like a legitimate company that listens to the law, if you request for them to put you on a no call list, they have to do it. Yeah, most of the time, in my case, whenever I ask to be put on the no call list, they just say, oh, okay, and hang up the phone, and I get a phone call 10 minutes later. So You know what you should do then, Phil? Record the phone calls, and you saying it like a few times, and uh, then you can sue them. Yeah, I'm not an expert in Pakistani law, so I don't (laughs) know how well that would work. The ones that listen, or the ones that abide by... Um, like legitimate business standards. If it's somebody from a different country who's trying to scam you, yeah, there ain't much you can do about that. Yeah, that's usually what I get. I I hardly ever get any real like real ones that we're actually trying to sell a real thing. Mm. Normally, it's just trying to steal information or credit card numbers. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. Now, one of the phone actors I'm going to discuss today was a 20 year old college student struggling to afford rent. His name was Bennett. And he had begun working with the Psychic Readers Network after his roommate Heidi had found an advertisement looking for phone actors. After a call to an interviewer in Florida, he quickly began working late nights, answering phone calls from people looking to speak to the famed Miss Cleo. Oh, okay. So we got, we're going to hear some uh, good story about Mr. Bennett here, huh? Yeah, just about his experiences working for the Psychic Readers Network. All right. I can't wait to hear it. Now, supplementing his income as a worker at the Gap clothing store, the new Teleseer stayed up late nights, smoking cigarettes and drinking wine, trying his best to keep callers on the line, using the script and the tarot program that he was given. Though, he would quickly find out that that script really wasn't working as well as he had hoped. Uh, This is actually when he would go off of his own instincts, uh, making really what he called some free associations, uh, hoping that his vague statements would stick. Well, he's got one thing going for him. I don't think there is a more hardline, aggressive salesman than a worker at the Gap store. So I think he was built for this job, Phil. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Any, a lot of those, uh, the clothing store people kind of following you around trying to get you to buy shit. Definitely. Ooh, man. He was, uh, he, he was probably quite charming. You know, the Gap store employees, they gotta be. Well, from, uh, from what he had actually wrote, he sounded like kind of a depressed, like sorry sap kind of a person, but. So just a regular old millennial, huh? A little bit. There you go. (laughs) Definitely. Also, he would use characters that he had made up. This was in an effort to make himself feel more magical and authentic, uh, much like the Miss Cleo character that Harris had actually made up. These characters would include a southern belle named Cassandra with what he called a very husky voice. Also, a French-accented mystic named Gabriel, though... Bennett would actually claim that people really seemed to connect with Cassandra the best. However, he could only hold up the Cassandra accent for maybe one or two calls before it hurt his voice too much. Yeah, I would imagine him trying to assume a female's voice, uh, be especially a southern one, would be quite difficult after a while. But the French mystic, I do like that. 
That's uh, quite clever. The kind of funny thing in the news article that he had written was what he had assumed a French accent sounded like. So it wasn't <laughs> authentic French, but it's kind of like the, I imagine like a Pepe Le Pew I was style just, accent. I was going to say, he's probably just sitting at home studying Pepe Le Pew for hours on end. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> yeah. Well, he can double definitely. as a uh, phone sex operator uh, if this doesn't work out for him. Use the same Pepe Le Pew accent. Oh, yeah, definitely. Another 900 number coming <laughs> in there. Though he believed that the callers were just looking for a little entertainment at first, he eventually began to feel very bad for the faux psychic advice that he was giving to his customers. Uh, he also began telling customers really just to kind of do more sensible things. To give an example, he actually told someone that was looking for riches to begin an aggressive investment strategy rather than to look for signs of a large fortune to come. Okay. Um, my question, could this be a bit of revisionist history on his end? Because after the fact, he's like, man, I was kind of an asshole. I was kind of a scumbag. I really did not think about that. That's a really good point, actually. That's just yeah. the first. Th I mean, we don't know for sure, but that's like the first thing that came to my mind. So of the people that I was reading about who were working for the Psychic Readers Network, um, I chose two, but a lot of them, really, it seemed like they only worked there for a few weeks to about a few months. So a lot of them kind of started feeling bad for these people, but yeah, definitely could be some revisionist history. That's a good point. I didn't really think about that at all. All right. Well, either way, if he did that, uh, I guess good on him. Definitely. According to him, the call times that used to be very good when he was giving the bad psychic advice would begin to sink when he started giving them more sensible advice. What also sunk was the money that he was earning, though he would also state in his article that he really wasn't getting paid on a regular basis anyway. The Psychic Readers Network apparently had a very convoluted invoice system, making it extremely difficult to get paid for their services. Yeah, there's uh, there's just scams going on everywhere here. Oh, definitely. This Psychic Readers Network, from what you read, just was scamming the customers. They were scamming their own workers. Uh, everyone. Anyone that they could get a dime out of, they were trying to. And they made a lot of money. A lot more than most people would think they made. You ever seen the movie uh, Boiler Room? Yes, I have. I, I don't know. This is reminding me of that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Just, I mean, basically these guys who own it, they're the types you would think about from that movie. They're, you know, two cousins from New Jersey who started this company that also had the psychic readers network kind of folded into it. It's really weird. Mm. Just a money-making scheme. Yeah. He began to feel bad for the people who were seeking advice only to find him. Eventually, uh, he would not call into the service any longer and leave the telepsychic world behind. Put in his two weeks notice. His psychic days are over. Yeah, apparently according to this telepsychic, he didn't actually give them a two weeks notice. He just stopped calling them. So I'm sure they didn't care. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, from what I was reading in my research at one time, like at their height, they had over a thousand telepsychics working. For them. Wow, holy shit. Yeah, quite, I mean, 
quite a lot of psychics. I doubt if there's, I mean, think about the instance of, you know, a human being actually being psychic. Now think of a thousand of them. It would be basically every single psychic in the country living at the time working for the Psychic Readers Network. Right. And they don't even have John Edwards on the staff, I don't think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Hell, maybe he did. He's probably the kind of scumbag that would become the manager there. But <laughs> like a supervisor. John Edwards and Cynthia Brown, uh, two very powerful psychics who were hitting the uh, talk show market around this yes. time. Powerful mystics with the power of recording devices in the audience. <laughs> Another former teleseer, a woman in 2001 named Amber, was looking for work that really wouldn't require her to leave her apartment at all. She also found a similar ad for phone actors, with the application process taking place over email. She claimed that in her brief interview process, there was a phone call in which her future manager asked her if she had had any kind of psychic ability, to which she replied, Well, as a woman... I believe I have great intuition. Men don't really have any intuition, in my experience, so I'm more gifted than half the population. Apparently, her future manager laughed and said, good enough. <laughs> uh, well, uh, as we know, it doesn't really matter if you actually have uh, psychic abilities. No, obviously, the most important thing was just keeping people on the line. So, it's there, <laughs> as long as you are really good at bullshitting... And keeping people talking, racking up the minutes, you're fine. It's kind of, actually, it's kind of funny that they even mentioned, like, they even asked her if she had some kind of psychic ability. I, my get, here's my thing. My guess would be that they just say that strictly, uh, I don't know, because they don't want to over ever openly admit they're not psychic, you know, like, to someone potentially trying to figure out if they're actually psychics or not. Does that yeah, make sense? Like if, if a newspaper is calling them, right. if a reporter is calling in. Right. Yeah, definitely. Unlike the first phone actor that we had talked about, she actually bought her own set of tarot cards and looked up information online about tarot readings, uh, going as far as memorizing what some of the different cards had actually meant. Also, learning online about what kind of things to say during a cold psychic reading. She claimed that she had never had any direct training or practice calls from the company. After two weeks of self-practice, she would first begin to speak with a customer. So no real training, uh, two weeks of self-practice, and then boom, right into the fucking pit. So there, okay, so there is a little bit of a warm-up period before uh, they actually just put them on the line. Yes, but from kind of the way that she had wrote this story or wrote this article, it kind of sounds like she had like given herself two weeks to mm. learn how to do this. It sounded like she kind of really could have just taken calls right off the bat if she wanted to. I, it's prob you're probably right. According to Amber, she wrote that she was really worried a lot that she was going to have to do a great amount of speaking to keep the callers on the line. However, she quickly found out that the customers really just did most of the talking, as they oftentimes were just kind of lonely people looking for someone, anyone to talk to, even if it was pay by the minute, with callers telling her like their sob stories about their lives and their life experiences. So th it's funny 
before I even heard you say that, I was like, I bet you the customers <laughs> would just keep talking, especially if it's lonely people, you know, because they just want someone to talk to, like you said. Um, or if you just get someone who likes talking a lot, uh, that will happen as well. So, yeah, uh, it's it's kind of a, how would you say this? Like, you keep them on the line, but the customers kind of keep themselves on the line. Do you know what I mean? Yes, definitely. So when I worked as a telemarketer uh, during my training to get that job, they actually told us that sometimes we'll come across old people who just want someone to talk to. They're kind of lonely. Maybe they're shut-ins. And just to let them keep talking, eventually they'll kind of like, you know, feel bad for taking your time and they might buy the product. Yeah. So that's kind of dirty shit like that. I would say one of the biggest differences between like this and that is that these people are calling them while where we worked, uh, we were calling them and a lot of people did not like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It was, I mean, God, that was the worst one month of my life. Yeah. I remember the day that I quit, it felt a 16 year old should not be feeling that kind of stress at a job. Like no, definitely going to the pizza place was a lot better. Yeah. That job was fucking horrible. Yeah, I fucking hated that job. I, ugh, Jesus. You fucking, you basically just threw a chunk of your soul in the garbage every day when you walked into (laughs) that job. It was, ugh, God, it was bad. Amber also would give a description of how her work hours would go, claiming that she would have to call into the service to connect her to the network. After hanging up, she would receive calls. Uh, These calls were most frequent during the evenings and at night. She had actually tried to work during the daytime at one point, but she found that the traffic was not very good at all. Amber also stated that this really caused her to be resigned to work nights. And that's what a lot of uh, the stories that I have read, including Bennett, he was saying that he really just had to work nights and that really fucked up his relationships. Yeah, I I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, kind of nice, I guess, to work at home, but... It would be weird if you had to work at home and just stay up all night. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I we were talking about like the people who work the phone sex lines. I'm guessing a lot of them probably work from home now, and they probably work a lot of nights too for the same you know, lonely people, basically. Right, right. Amber would quickly figure out that her 24-minute minimum call time was very easily achieved. She would actually claim that her average calls would last about 45 minutes to an hour, with most of the calls, in her mind, seeming to be really downtrodden, experiencing personal and financial problems. She had also assumed some of these people were calling into the network multiple times a week, even though they obviously, in her mind, couldn't afford these rates. This was all kind of sussed out from the stories that they were telling her. Okay, so if they can afford it, and they're calling in this much, I'm assuming... <laughs> I guess at this time, you didn't have to give them a credit card up front, so they probably bill your... Phone company. Phone company, okay. Yeah, so... Yes. These probably yeah, we'll people... get into that a little bit, but okay. yeah. Okay, all right. So if that's the case, clearly these people didn't give a fuck how long they were talking on the phone because they knew they probably weren't going to pay for it anyway. They had... Oh, yeah, they had no idea how much they were being charged. Because you got to think about it, those phone bills weren't coming till the end of the month. Right. Man. Definitely. uh, uh, 
I think the worst that we had to deal with or worry about our parents had to worry about was kids calling these lines and racking up massive bills. You know what I mean? Calling the WWF hotline, trying to talk to Hulk Hogan or Randy Savage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Worried about that shit. So Amber, before working for the Psychic Network, said that she had thought that anyone who would call into a psychic hotline was really just an idiot. Though she quickly began to realize that these people were in a real sad state. And after a short time, she began to feel guilty about her deception. She claimed that the last call that she had ever taken was that of an old woman. This old woman had claimed that she desperately needed to speak with Miss Cleo, as she believed that she had been really having this email relationship or email traffic with Miss Cleo, the TV personality, and that Miss Cleo had told her that she had had some vital advice for this woman. Amber believed that it may have been actors posing as Miss Cleo who were calling her. Oh man, that is uh, that is fucked up. Definitely, yeah. Poor so lady. basically, telemarketers who were putting on a fake Jamaican accent were calling her, telling her to call at this time. That poor old lady, man. Oh yeah, she was also saying that she believed that this woman was calling in quite a bit. So this kind of ended it for Amber. Hopefully that's the truth, and again, like Bennett, not just revisionist history. Yeah, uh, hopefully this also isn't revisionist history, like you were saying. But, I mean, it. you do believe, hearing these stories, that there is like a breaking point that you really would remember. Like, yeah. if you worked for these people, you probably would remember your breaking point. Like, yeah. when you absolutely said, okay, that's enough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So after Amber had told the woman that Miss Cleo was unavailable, which was actually something that they were supposed to tell people when they would call in asking to speak with the Jamaican woman, Amber would listen to the woman's sob stories, and after the minimum amount of time that she needed to stay on the line, 24 minutes was up, she immediately hung up and messaged her boss, saying that she could no longer do this job. Amber had actually lasted only a total of three weeks. Okay, so not that long then. I, for some reason in my head, I was like, oh, she must have been doing this for a while. But yeah, I guess three weeks would be about a breaking point for for this. For a person with a soul. Yes, I would say about three weeks. It's kind of how long a normal person could last as a used car salesman at a shady dealership. (laughs) About three weeks. Right, right. So now I'm going to kind of get into really how this all came to an end. Kind of how the Miss Cleo Psychic Readers Network kind of like when it went away. So beginning the same year that Amber began working for the Psychic Readers Network in 2001, many states with the backing of the Federal Federal Communications Commission had began taking legal action against the Psychic Readers Network parent company, Access Resource Services. Those states would include Arkansas, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Missouri, New York, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and of course, Florida. This was all done with the backing of the Federal Communications Commissions. So this w- these were all happening in state, but it was with the backing of the federal government. And this was just kind of a taste of what was to come. Surprised uh, Florida or Wisconsin gave a shit. 
Yeah, especially Florida. You yeah. would think that this is just kind of, you know, scams and shit like that. It's kind of the leading business in Florida, you would have right. to assume. Right. Arkansas, it's a little surprising that they were able to, you know, write up a legal argument against them, considering literacy is not very, you know, good in that state. <laughs> Surprised they didn't take up arms with uh, pitchforks and torches and assume that the psychic hotline was actually a witch's coven. Um, or just go out. start attacking a phone line. Yeah. With the, <laughs> burn it down. We these got where these witches <laughs> are calling me from. <laughs> Definitely. So in the next year, 2002, the Federal Trade Commission also went after Access Resource Services Incorporated and their daughter company, Psychic Readers Network. Now, this was due to deceptive tactics in advertising, billing, and collections, alleging that the defendants misrepresented the cost of services in both advertising and during the provision of the services. They billed customers for service that were never purchased and engaged in deceptive collection practices. Also, the defendants harassed consumers with repeated unwanted and unavoidable telemarketing calls that consumers couldn't stop. The Federal Trade Commission also alleged that the defendants often responded to consumers' inquiries with abusive, vulgar, and even threatening language. And that was when customers would try to stop the phone calls and the emails. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of big no-nos right there. Yeah, so this was kind of, like you were saying, there's the do not call list. I'm not sure exactly when that list or when that law came about, but this is when they started really going after a lot of these teleservices. Yeah, I, I guess you don't really hear about many of them anymore, do you? No. I mean, the big one, obviously, like we mentioned, you know, there's the scams, but they're always coming from different countries. You really don't hear uh, American voices with those scams any longer. You know what I didn't even think about? Um, like phone sex lines now, you have things like OnlyFans or cam girls, or I can't remember what the other one's called. Basically, it's just transitioned over to that. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the thing is, a lot of those phone sex operators, you know, they were just, you know, they just had a really good voice, or they were kind of trained in how to speak. Now they kind of have to, you know, look the part, too. Also, they can probably have a lot more customers at one time. You know, the phone sex operators could only talk to one you know, well, let's face it, dude, they could only talk to one dude at a time. But now there's sometimes hundreds of people, maybe thousands well, watching them while they're on camera. That's what I mean. Like, as far as I understand it, the chat rooms, you can chat with these people and they pay you money and you can kind of convince them that you're kind of interested in them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like kind of things like that. Yeah, and there's also like the exchanging of gifts and stuff that I've yeah. heard too. Yeah. Uh, also, we're gonna mention it at the end. This psychic network did transition to online, just like the phone sex deals did. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. Director of the Federal Trade Commission's Bureau of Consumer Protection, Howard Beals III, stated that we want consumers to know that when companies make a promise in an ad, they need to deliver. So basically, the Federal Trade Commission was going after the Psychic Network's deceptive advertising and what they were offering for free and kind of not really telling people how much this costed. 
Okay. Now, specifically, the the Federal Trade Commission complaint alleged that the psychic network had deceptively misrepresented in their advertising that a reading will be provided at no cost. Through their agents, misrepresented the cost of the calls by claiming that consumers' free minutes have not expired, that the, co- that the consumer had been awarded additional free minutes, or that the consumer would not be charged while on hold. Also, falsely represented that consumers are legally required to pay for services even though, in many instances, no such obligation had existed. And they engaged in unfair practices by frequently and repeatedly calling customers, including consumers who had previously indicated that they did not wish to receive any more calls, and by failing to provide consumers with a reasonable method to stop such calls. So the do not call thing. So... Yeah, they so they're really attacking them for false advertising, not necessarily the prices that they were charging these people and obviously harassment. Yes. Yeah, it was all just basic uh, deception. They were going after them for their core practices, really. Okay. Obviously, that's a very reasonable reason to go after them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, especially... At their height, how much money they were pulling in and how many people they were conning. Um, it's amazing that the gig lasted that long <laughs> for them, but without them getting, you know, stunted at all. Very true. Now, in response to the Federal Trade Commission's charges, Peter Stoltz and Stephen Fetter, uh, the two men behind this massive organization, would claim that 99% of their customers were actually happy with the service. And that the Federal Trade Commission's claims and numbers, including the amount of customers that they had had over the years, were highly exaggerated. Also, they would go on to defend Miss Cleo as the spokeswoman of their company, claiming that she was, in fact, a psychic and she was everything that she had claimed to be. Though, they would say that Miss Cleo was now retiring from being their public spokeswoman due to the lawsuits. Okay, so... They're sticking to their guns there, or at least they're, maybe that's the only avenue they think that can protect them. Yeah, they just, you know, completely, we're we're in the right. That's all that they were saying. We're in the right. Uh, Not only are we squeaky clean, Miss Cleo is actually Jamaican. She's super psychic. You know, it's all on the level. Everything's on the level. So they're probably thinking if any of these fucking cards get pulled out, the whole stack comes down. So they're just saying everything's good. Did they make Miss Cleo come to court? Um, I'm actually going to get that okay. to that in a little bit. But she was included in the lawsuit, but it was taken away. Uh, they dropped that lawsuit against her. Ah, okay. So the Federal Trade Commission also sued Miss Cleo, as they had assumed that she must be in an important cog in this operation, as she was the very well-known and famous public face of that whole organization. Though, they would eventually find out the truth, which was, of course, that not only was she in no way any part or owner of this company, but also that she was nothing more than a low-paid actress. Uh, at the height of the infomercials, she received less than $5,000 per tape commercial. Also, part of her deal was she still needed to answer phone calls from customers. Like I mentioned before, she received at the high end, which was only $0.24 cents a minute for her time. 
Wow. Okay. So yes. I'm guessing she maybe she didn't completely understand how much money they were making. Oh, I don't think anyone realized how much money they were making. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I can't believe she was so she was getting paid in advance, uh, basically just getting paid to tape these commercials. I can't believe that she didn't get any kind of royalty considering how often these commercials were on television because they were on TV all night long. Right. I don't know. Maybe she didn't pay attention. Maybe there's a contract where she couldn't request more money. I don't know. Yeah, it might have been that situation where they just had her sign like a huge contract early, a Scottie Pippen type deal where he signed that really long contract for not a lot of money and then, you know, instantly had regrets once the market went up for his services right. or her services. Right. Yeah. And if you don't know about Scottie Pippen's contract, basically he signed, what was it, a seven or eight year contract for yeah. almost no money. He was the, he was one of the like highest producing players in the league, but also the lowest paid. I think he was like third from the bottom of lowest paid basketball players in the country at the time. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, besides the people who are obviously making league minimum. But of the people who are making like actual basketball money, he was on the lowest end. Yeah. Yeah. I, rem I remember that. Definitely. Also, this would be when it became public knowledge that Miss Cleo was actually named Yuri Harris. And not at all from Jamaica. When the federal prosecutors figured all of this out, they quickly removed Harris, a.k.a. Miss Cleo, from any of their lawsuits. As a result of the Federal Trade Commission's lawsuit, Peter Stoltz and Stephen Fetter were forced to forgive $500 million in debt that they were trying to collect from their customers. They were also fined about $50,000 from a Missouri settlement from which they pled no contest. Though, after the ruling was up, they were allowed to keep any money that they had already collected from their customers, which was about $500 million. Holy shit. You're telling me if they would have collected all the debt, they would have had a billion dollars? Yes, a billion dollars over uh, that six years. I I partially feel like they should have took a b much bigger chunk of that money away from them. Um, shit, I didn't realize it was that much. Oh, definitely. So the thing was, it was the phone companies who in the end forfeited all of that debt. The problem was, from what I was reading, apparently these companies were still having their telemarketers call these former customers trying to get money out of them. So even though they were supposed to forgive all of that debt, they would still go after these former customers themselves. Holy shit. Okay. And I'm guessing the Miss Cleo being thrown out was because they just figured out she was just a regular old person? Yes. They just figured out that she was an employee, just like anyone else who was working as a, a telemystic. So gotcha. Okay. It's just that she was the public face. She was just slightly higher paid than your average telephone operator. Mm. In the next few years after the lawsuit, the Psychic Readers Network would move, like I mentioned before, from a phone-based company to a more internet-based one. Uh, they would move to more video call services and more having to do with email and other services uh, centered around the internet. Obviously, you know, 
most phone-based companies aren't doing, you know, that great right now. So. No, no. Uh, internet ones, though, probably, Yeah. I don't know about the psychic one, but uh, they're probably doing okay. Oh, yeah. Obviously, you don't hear, like, infomercials for the, uh, like, the psychic networks like you used to. But, I mean, they have to be still doing pretty well if they're still, you know, happening. Um, they still have people reading for them, you know, doing all that stuff. It's it's kind of like the deal. You never hear about 1-800-CALL-ATT anymore or collect or anything like that. It's not really needed with cell phones. No. Seems like uh, scams are more personality-based now, um, a la Alex Jones. Uh, I'm pretty sure Joe Rogan's getting in on this, like the... Yeah. <laughs> The branded merchandise that's, <laughs> let's just be real here, horse shit. There's no such thing as a tactical body soap. I'm sorry, it just doesn't exist. Oh, are you talking about Alex Jones and his plethora of dog shit that he tries to sell people? Well, that's what I mean. Like, people like yeah. those two kind of have their merchandise they're hawking under the guise that it's something more than it is, if that makes sense. Okay, I don't know if Joe Rogan really hawks much of his own merchandise. There, I, um, his is a protein thing, I believe. Okay, I thought he stopped working with them. Did but... he? I don't know. It was something like that. Um, yeah. Alex Jones is like the worst of the worst for it. Um, everything's always tactical or whatever. Uh, I think there's like a tactical underarm wipe or some shit. I don't know. He's fucking crazy. Yeah, he was selling these, basically, do you remember what if you've ever tried to, like, work out, lift weights, there's those people who buy, like, the, the big containers of protein powder? Yeah. Basically, it was, like, an entire meal stuffed into one of those, uh, this powder that you're supposed to keep for when the government crashes and the, you know, the world, uh, the world basically ends, and you would be, like, you'd have, like, five years of meals if you bought into this service. I remember he was hawking that stuff. That was looked pretty disgusting. Uh, yeah, people like him, Rush Limbaugh, I think had a lot of that shit too. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of the preppers get into that stuff. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. There's like you get your niche crowd, and then you can just kind of have them buy whatever horse shit you're hawking. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of there's a lot of people who do like podcasts and stuff. They sell t-shirts, they sell mugs, you know, that kind of stuff. That's just cutesy little stuff. It's not like the, you know, the crazy shit that he's selling, the survival gear and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, if we were, if we had shirts and we're on here like, you need this shirt to survive when NWO comes and when Russia invades Ukraine and all out war breaks out, you need this shirt. That'd be Alex I've, Jones right there. I've personally been shot while wearing this shirt. Yeah. And not only did I survive, I'm stronger now because of it. <laughs> that kind of shit. It'll survive a nuclear blast. Definitely. So to finish this off, Miss Cleo would actually, like I mentioned before, she would get out of the Psychic Readers Network, no longer being their spokeswoman. Um, she would, in the future, write and give interviews about her experiences as their spokeswoman. Also, she would act in commercials, obviously using her Jamaican character. Uh, she would even voice a character, Aunt Paulette, in the 2002 video game Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which was a favorite of ours. Yeah, I, I haven't played that in fucking forever, but... Uh, I I guarantee I've ran into that character when I play that game. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. I never really did the missions very much, but I did run around and try to get, you know, the police stars up. So I remember that. Uh, speaking of scams, apparently the GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas remastered collection or whatever, quite a scam they they pulled over on people. Oh, I heard about that. I heard it, uh, yeah, it wasn't that great. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they're all doing that these days. Yeah, I know, right? The Tony Hawk 1 Plus 2 Pro Skater that came out, I really thought that that was going to be a great game, and it looked pretty good, but really boring. Uh, Maybe the game was that boring the entire time, though. Maybe I just liked it when I was younger. Uh, That's usually the case. Another big scam, in-game transactions. Very, uh, Very big scam right now. Yeah, I hate I hate that pay to win shit. It's, yep. Yeah, but to finish this off really quick, Yuri Harris would actually be diagnosed with colon cancer. Sadly, she would pass away in 2016 at the age of 53. So she's still pretty young when yeah, she passed away. Pretty pretty young there. Um, that's too bad. I I I hate to make it seem like she's completely innocent, but it seems like. The bigger fish did use her a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was pretty deceptive of her to use a character to, you know, get people to call this number. But she was taken advantage of quite a bit. I mean, this company pulled in like a billion dollars. They ended up only getting like the 500 million or, or whatnot. But with her help, really, mostly her help. They made all this money and she got nothing for it. So. Right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a tragic tale. It's a. I'm kind of glad we've gotten rid of that type of business uh, thing. I guess it's like, and we were too young to fall prey to it, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, that's a. The owners of that were quite, uh, quite the pieces of shit. Yeah, shady fucking assholes. They were pretty bad. Yeah, actually, my grandma used to call into the psychic networks, and she would call my family bitching about, you know, all of these uh, predictions that basically, like, blaming us for how shitty her life was, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> my, yeah. not my, not my grandma, good luck's my grandma, oh, Pat. But, yeah, I, I yeah. figured that's you know which one, about. you know which yeah. one. Yeah, um... I kind of wish that no telemarketer or salesperson or anything was ever allowed to call anybody. That's what I wish because they're really annoying. Oh, yeah. I was only able to last like maybe a month, like four weeks at most. I don't see how people can do that for years. Uh, there was that one kid in our class who was basically like an assistant manager at that place by the time we graduated. I don't. He seemed like a nice person. I don't see why he could like keep doing that. Keep being oh, a telemarketer, working for that shit organization. Don't you remember he went to the uh, a collections agency one? Oh, did he move on to a different one? Yeah, collections something, which is another whole. Uh, I don't know how I feel about collections. It's kind of uh, kind of shitty a little bit, but I guess it has to be done. Maybe. Yeah, I mean. I would feel bad for the people I was talking to, but if they owe money, then, you know, uh, it's a little bit different. It's it's the difference between the phone actors who are keeping the people on the line with the second company and 
the telemarketers who are trying to get the money out of them after they've already, you know, came on. Right. Phil, awesome episode. I just want to say uh, anybody out there who has experience with the psychic hotline or has called into this, please, for the love of God, email us or message us. I really want to hear your stories. Phil, where can they contact us at? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of us, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is sdpodphil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow me at Cody Subub. Uh, last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave a show five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say, just as long as it's a five-star and written preferably. If you are a Spotify user, you can also leave us a five-star review on there as well, which will help boost us up the charts. You don't have to type on that one, which is nice, so just leave a five-star review for us. Thank you to everybody who's taking the time to do that. We greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, uh, Phil, amazing episode. I really enjoyed it. I love learning about the psychic whatever network. Uh, and <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. 